Hey there, I'm Dana, a registered dietitian and registered dietitian exam tutor. And this is my podcast where we go over all of the questions that have been posted to my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Study Group with Dana over the past week. And we not only chat about the answers, but why are they the answers as well as answer any questions that students have posted on the page throughout the week. This is a weekly podcast, so be sure to tune in each week for new questions. And of course, I would love to see any of you guys at the live version of this on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. First question we have for today is from Pocket Prep. Question is, a PN patient is receiving 45 calories per cake. What may be the result? So already before I'm going into the answers, I want to kind of think about what do I know? And especially for the exam, you're struggling with confidence. The pause between the question and the answer is really important of kind of saying like, What do I know about it? Because it's going to help to bolster your confidence when you see a similar answer. So right away, I'm like, okay, 45 calories per cake. That's a lot. That's definitely on the high range, right? This is going to be for like my really catabolic, ICU trauma patients. Um, For myself in my oncology clinic, this would be like my patient who is like malnourished. They have, you know, a lot of catabolism, maybe they have chemo, you know, they have metabolic, not metabolic, um, they have met, so they're cancer. So could be that someone needs this, but this is definitely on the high, high range. And the question is saying, what is this going to result in? So I want to do like my cross out and squiggle. Remember when I'm doing questions, I like to put a squiggle, even if I'm like, I think that could be the answer because we don't want to like just be putting an answer without reading the rest. The squiggle makes you say like, this could work but it's a nice kind of pause and a reminder to say, well, let me make sure it's the best one because that's where a lot of people miss on the exam is they are putting one that's correct, but not the best one. So let's look into our answer choices. So A, we have hypocalcemia, so low calcium. I'm not really thinking about a relationship between having high calorie needs and calcium, so I'm going to cross out. Then we have high Burkolemia, high potassium. And again, really giving someone high calories is definitely not going to cause high potassium because we know, especially for a PN patient, the more dextrose, the more calories I'm giving, the more potassium is getting shuttled into the cells. And it's a bigger risk of hypokalemia than hypersome. I'm crossing that out. The next one we have is oh, what we just talked about, hypo hypokalemia, low potassium. So that one's my squiggle. And then D is hyperphosphatemia. Similar to hyperkalemia, I'm worried about it going low because the more dextrose I'm getting, the more phosphate I need. Because remember, what's the P in ATP? Phosphate. So with this one, I kind of look back and I say, perfect. I'm going to go with C and let me double check myself. Yep, this makes sense because giving high calories, you could potentially see someone refeed on that, especially we don't really know if this patient's malnourished, but that's going to be the only one that makes sense. So remember, with our rationale, we want to be thinking about, well, why? And that way, when you're walking away from the question, you want to understand the why, because especially like that question's in men where you're not able to kind of see a rationale. So that's a great question to ask on the page so that you can kind of review that yourself and you're like, okay, that's making more sense now. Okay, next one we have, which of the 
following increases risk of developing heart disease. Okay, so this is another, we're saying like a labs theme um, with these questions today. I like it. So with this, right, so I'm already kind of thinking, okay, heart disease, I'm thinking like high, because it's saying increases, which of the following increases stress, I'm thinking high LDL, I'm thinking low HDL, I'm thinking high triglycerides too. So let's go into our options. So elevated small dense LDLC particles, right? That one's definitely getting a squiggle for me, right? B, we have elevated large LDL particles. C, elevated total cholesterol. And D, our elevated, our elevated um, total cholesterol or D, decreased triglycerides. So with this one, what we're kind of thinking right away is I'm like, okay, well, I already I already know that we're not going to be seeing you know decreased triglycerides right when we're thinking about our fatty liver disease not fatty liver disease sorry cardio cardiovascular disease because I would expect high triglycerides so I'm crossing out D elevated total cholesterol this one's definitely tricky and this definitely comes down to this definitely comes down to what the question's asking and what's the different, you know, and what's the, you know, the question asking and which is the best answer. Because if we didn't have LDL, right, it could be elevated total cholesterol, but elevated total cholesterol is a combination of HDL and LDL. And I always think about this because I think it was like my sophomore or junior year of college, I got um, my blood drawn. And they called me and they're like, oh, yeah, um, your total cholesterol is a little bit high. Like, we probably need to talk about diet with you. And I was like, wow, I'm going to get fired from my major because I'm a dietetics major and I have high cholesterol. Like, excuse me? And so I requested that the doctor call me back because I was like, um, like, I'm concerned. Like, I'm a healthy weight. I eat a healthy diet. Like, how could this be high? And then he was like, oh, I looked at your labs in my HDL was really high, which was good. But when they added my normal LDL and my high HDL together, it put me over the 200. That's like the total, um, like it put me over um, kind of the regular range for total cholesterol. So that's why they were flagging it as high. So you can't just think about that it's total cholesterol is necessarily elevated is the worst because it could be from high HDL. So, but that's the reason why this one is just not as strong. We definitely want to be gearing ourselves more toward LDL. And then we had a lot of questions in the comments that were like, I don't understand the difference between small and large. And this one too is not necessarily something that I would say is typically kind of asked about on you know, in the questions. But again, if you're getting this type of question, what you want to be doing, of course, always posting on the page, but then like doing a little research and being like, what's going on? So the rationale of why the answer is A, those small versus large, is the small particles, it's actually easier for them to get into all the arteries and, cl and clog it up. So with this one, our best answer is those elevated small density LDLC particles because they're smaller and they're more likely to kind of get all the places and clog up.
So good, good one to see. Next one we have is the proper portion size of dessert is a one-third cup. What should you use? And the student who was asking said, I, I don't know how to approach this one. Again, perfect reason why we're here. So pause and think about, well, what do we know about scoops? 32 divided by the scoop is going to be the ounces. So, right, what I'm looking for is I want to find an answer. And this is when you can use your, use your answer bank, right? We don't even need to do fancy algebra a lot of the time on the math question. Use your answer bank. So what I want to do is if I know that my equation is 32 divided by the scoop number gives me ounces, right? And you know, right, a third of a cup, well, how many ounces are in a cup? This is definitely something you need to know, right? Remember, it's eight. So if I divide eight ounces by a third, I'm looking for the, the scoop size that's going to give me 2.66. So what I would do is I would take 32 and then just do 32 divided by A, B, C, D, see which one matches the best. So I do 32 divided by A, which is going to be my number 12 scoop, 32 divided by 12. That gets me, oh, we love when A is the answer, but we still got to check, right? So that's 32 divided by 12 is 2.66. There's our third of the cup. Um, but let's just double check just in case. And this is something good to do, especially if it's a tricky topic for you. So you can say, okay, I know why. 32 divided by B, which is eight. That's four ounces. That's half a cup. What about 32 divided by 16? It's two ounces, which is a quarter of a cup. And then 32, oops, 32 divided by 10 is 3.2. So this is a good one to review because it's taking the skills we need with converting and then kind of a putting it in an application question. And, you know, a lot of the time, you know, we're not really thinking about like cups to ounces to milliliters all the time. So this is a topic that often gets skipped over. So if you're on the Facebook page, just, um, search conversion chart, I think is what it, I have it on. Um, but it's a really great graphic that I have from my favorite recipe website, Fit Foodie Finds. Um, but they just have like a very nice, like aesthetically pleasing conversion chart. And the best way to study it is of course not to memorize it. You guys know here we don't do memorizing, we do learning, is to just practice in your real life, right? So if I'm looking at like the 12 ounce, my 12 ounce seltzer water here, I'm like, Okay, 12 ounces, that's going to be a cup, you know, a cup and a half. Or I look at, I have a lot of beverages on my desk today. I look at my mason jar and I see, okay, it has, you know, one and a half cups to fill the top line. Well, that's the same, 12 ounces, you know. I look at my, I told you guys, I have a lot of, a lot of beverages. I also have another seltzer water, but this one's old. This one's from last week. And it is, right, one quart. So I know, okay, 32 ounces. But just kind of practicing that, I also find my family is also really impressed when I can like do those conversions quick. And they're like, oh, you can do that because you're a dietitian. I'm like, yes, my master's in salad really came in handy in this moment. Um, but that's the, the best way to do it is that application of it. Okay. Next one we have is not necessarily a question, but it's a helpful, um, it's a helpful chart. And it's about when do we use 
the RDA like versus the ear. And I'm going to explain it here, but if you're one of the people who just is on the podcast and you want to see the chart, um, just email me and put the subject line vitamins and minerals chart at Dana J. Fryer Nutrition at gmail.com. If you're on the Facebook page, just search vitamins and minerals and you'll find it. But I've been having a lot of students get questions lately about which one, you know, do we use the RDA? Do we use the ear? And it can be really tempting to use the ear, right? The estimated average requirement because it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm oh, sorry. A lot of people will put RDA. Sorry. Um, they'll put the RDA for answers about like which one should they use because they're like, oh, RDA is 97 to 98% of the population. But you want to get this straight. So if I'm talking about, okay, I'm working with an one individual, one person, right? Not if it's saying you're working with, you know, a group of individuals. If I'm working with one person, I want to use the RDA to say, hey, this is what you should eat. You should eat this. But if I'm kind of doing an assessment of a group, and remember this could be group five, this could be community assessment, then what I want to be doing is using the ear because I'm saying, okay, well, this is going to be adequate for at least 50% of the population. So that's more helpful in community settings because that's going to be the average requirement. And some people, you know, are going to still need a little bit more, but most people are going to be are going to be covered without giving excess to people. So if you're talking about an individual, it's the RDA. If you're talking about a group, it's going to be the ear. And that's just another thing to layer on to your vitamins, your vitamins and minerals. Next one is kind of similar, less of a question and more of a how I want you guys to study this. So one of the topics that is kind of outdated in the Inman, and you've probably heard me talk about in other classes and podcast episodes before, how with the Inman, you do not need the most up-to-date version because I would say 90% of it doesn't change, right? But key things don't change, right? Peritoneal dialysis, still the same. FTE is still the same. There's a, the majority of it is still the same. And personally, again, always do what you guys want, is personally what I would do is see what version your internship's giving you or one that you can buy used or see if your friend has a copy and then spend the other money that you're going to spend on the brand new version on your trouble areas, on, you know, practice question classes, like the situational classes, because not a lot changed. One area of it that did change is the stuff that is updated, like with new laws and with new updates. And one of those things is the healthy people. So most Inmans my students have, including like mine, which is, I think mine's 2017. And I always compare it to my students' new ones. Those are there. But this one is most Inmans are going to have the healthy people 2020 because if your Inman was made, you know, before 2020 or even like 2021, probably still has the 2020. And what you want to know with the healthy people is like, what is it, right? Because we have the dietary guidelines for Americans that are saying things, right? Like eat less than 10% of your calories from added sugar. But the healthy people guidelines, and now they're the most up-to-date is the 2030, is kind of saying like, okay, we have this goal of like, let's eat 10% less added sugar or like, let's get outside for 100 
in 50 minutes, you know, per week. And then we're looking at what Americans are doing. Maybe they're eating 20% sugar. Maybe they're going outside for 10 minutes a week. And the healthy people 2020, not 2020, see, I just did to myself, the healthy people 2030, what it's doing is kind of saying like, well, here's where we are. Here's the goal, like a middle place. So it's saying like, these are our goals for Americans. Um, and so they're having kind of like general guidelines that are kind of a happy medium between where we are and where we, where we want to be just to kind of help it be a little bit more realistic. Um, most of the time we are not meeting any of those goals, which is fine. Um, but it, that's what you want to think about what it is. I did put a copy of the Healthy People 2030 on um, the Facebook page, but that's honestly also just from Google. So if you Google Healthy People um, 2030, you're going to be able to find the PDF of what it is. As always, I'm happy to email you guys any of the resources, um, but I'll also probably just put it in the show the show notes now that I think about it too. So you guys have it. And remember the show notes of the podcast are always just underneath the podcast and it has links to, you know, anything I'm talking about and how to get in touch with me and like tutoring and everything. So, so definitely make sure um, you look into that. Okay. Next one we have is another Inman domain two. And it says iron preparations should be taken options before meals on an empty stomach with meals before before bedtime and this student saying Inman states the correct answer is C with meals however everything I read online is that the iron supplement should be taken on an empty stomach or with fruit juice and then you should wait um to I what you want to be thinking about here is and this is a trick a tricky one too because Yes, you are going to see that the absorption is best on an empty stomach. And a lot of people will say that or definitely like she said in her her kind of comment of you'll often see it with vitamin C. The more concern is the fact of like GI upset um, that can just be kind of harsh on um, the body. So that's why they're saying the answer is with meals. And this is something, too, where as you're going through, kind of watch, like, what CDR wants versus what you would do, too, because there are going to be some deviations. And exactly why you want to ask questions like this on the page and listen to previous classes, because these are, like, the little tidbits that you're going to be like, oh, my goodness, like, I thought I knew that, and now I understand. Now I understand it. Um, now I understand it even better, too. Next one we have is... Um, another question from Inman, this student says, gastric irritants and clean. And this is everyone's least favorite type of answers where it's like a list and one thing is changed, um, you know, in each one. So it's really confusing. So I won't read like every single option, but I'm going to tell you what like are some of the foods because like I said, it's like the same thing, just kind of like switched around for each one. So things they have in here are like black pepper, chili powder, caffeine, alcohol, cacao, seeds, nuts, chili. Oh, I already repeat myself. I'm just looking for like the new ones. Orange juice, black pepper. Um, and this student was saying like she was a little bit confused about how come it was A, which is black pepper, chili powder, alcohol, caffeine, cacao. And or and not 
orange juice, black pepper, chili powder, alcohol. So you're going to see questions like this. And if you're taking any of my courses, you'll see I have questions like this too, like especially around like which diets are high in potassium and like, you know, which one's best. And it comes down to, it's less of like, oh, those things wouldn't be harmful. More like what is, you know, what is kind of the most harmful? So with those ones, if I was the student who was kind of like stuck between these two, how I would kind of be, how I'd kind of be looking at it is saying, well, which one's the worst? And this is a good way to do like these situational MNT ones of like, pretend you have two patients and you're like, Dana, which patient do you think is going to have worse GERD, right? Got patient A, who's having black pepper, chili powder, caffeine, alcohol, cacao, right, chocolate. And I'm thinking for that person, like, ooh, wow, five gastric irritants. And then I'm like, okay, what about patient over here? Orange juice, black pepper, chili powder, alcohol. And I'm like, ooh, four gastric irritants. So this one really is more of a four versus five situation of, you know, which one is going to, which one is going to be the best, the best one too. So definitely, definitely tricky too. And then our next question we have is a great one and everyone's very stressed about the medications always. Um, Cause I mean, it's a big topic. And especially even if you're a clinical dietitian, like you tend to see the same medications over and over again. Like I work part-time in an oncology clinic and like, so I know like the chemotherapies and all the different drugs, like my patients are on. And then like my family members sometimes are like in their mood where, you know, sometimes they don't believe in that. Other times they're like, you're the family healthcare provider. What do you know about this? And, you know, they ask me about some drugs and I'm like, I don't even know. Let me go Google that real fast and get back to you. Um, but there's lots of drugs on the exam to definitely know. And so what the student was saying was, you know, during the RG exam, um, do they tend to show you the generic names or brand names? And I would definitely agree with what everyone's saying in the comments of the more important, um, the more important is thinking about the generic names. Can you have like metformin, right? You're definitely gonna, um, you're definitely going to see that too, but I would focus on, um, I would focus on the generic names and then, you know, you can always kind of be studying them side by side with, um, with some of the brand names too. And that's how you'll find it if you're in the medications class or the signature course, which both have the medication study guide in it. That's what you'll kind of, you know, see in there too. Because again, you do not need to be going crazy with remembering everything. You're never going to remember every, you know, every single drug name. But again, what you want to focus on is knowing kind of 80%. So that way you can kind of cut out some of them as well that you're like, well, I don't know the answer, but I know it's definitely. Thanks for tuning in for this week's practice question review. Don't forget that we are doing these live on my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Tutoring with Dana RD, every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and I would love to have you join live. You can also head to my website, danajfnutrition.com, to find out about the latest classes as well as study tips and services. Thanks for tuning in.